You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 122. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelon Levin and Pontus Böckwan. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, san, hey, san! Hello! Andras, are you back? Yes, I am. I am back. Woo. I mean, we thought not you... physically, but yes. Physically? No. Mentally? Physically not. Only mentally. Mentally. Yeah. Mentally. And uh, electronically, uh, virtually, or whatever you like, but it's not physically. I'm physically going to be back tomorrow to the country that where I live. No, I actually don't know where I live. No. And and tomorrow... You kind of live all over the place. There is a pra- place what I call home. And tomorrow will be long ago when the episode comes out. So. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> time traveling. I'm time traveling. I'm talking about time travel. You know the Colosseum? The, Colosseum, the, yes. The big thing. Yeah. The, the Rome thing. I was there this summer. Uh, last summer. Great. And you know there is this Italian guy... Who wrote a book about it? Yeah, no. I don't know if you've heard. Oh, Massimo. Yes. <laughs> Massimo Polidoro. Massimo Polidoro. And I- imagine what happened to me today. I was at Villa Adriana, which is uh, the, the the Roman villa of uh, Hadrian, Caesar Hadrian. And uh, it's massive. It's it's brilliant. I really like it. I've been there. Oh, you've been there? Yeah. It was a long okay. time ago, but I like Yeah, it's great. Sorry, go on. It's, it's, it's really good. And after the visit, when I I let the people go, and I I told them when and where to be, um, I went straight to the to the gift shop, and in the gift shop there are lots of books, and I I love just um, browsing through the books. Let me guess, you saw Massimo Pedro's book exactly, <laughs> and I was so proud that I actually knew this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. couldn't help myself, and I picked up a book, and I started just boasting about it, about it to my people. Very <laughs> classy. I actually know this guy. Very I classy. Know this guy. So, so this is the book about the treasures of the. Colosseum. No, that's the Vatican. That's the Vatican. Oh, okay, so it's this was the the adventures of the va- of of the Colosseum. The adventures of the Colosseum. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah. Oh yeah. yeah. I I only started it. I could not work my way through it yet. Um, it's only in mostly Italian because of my work. It's only Italian, but I do like the way he re- he writes. Yeah. And uh, but but obviously it's it's not how I read in Hungarian or English no, because it's it's, a, it's much more work. To, yeah, to, to, to but that's a good uh, that's a good way for you to practice, though, isn't it? So yeah. it is definitely mm. it I, is it is indeed. And we should say that Massimo Polidori is the head of the of Cicap, which is yes. the uh, Italian skeptics. Among other things, he's a man of oh, many yeah, yeah. talents. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. a scientist, skeptic, author, mm-hmm. all sorts of wonderful things. Yeah, and a, a very, very nice guy. <laughs> yes, indeed he indeed. is. Uh, and he and his group decided to run Cheek Up Fest again this year. Correct. Mm-hmm. I, I Which think I we, cannot we've kind of stopped mentioning it in the past, but yeah, we'll yeah. keep talking about it before it starts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, the more information we know about it, obviously, the more we will share with our listeners. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have um, something that I want to share with you guys. 
Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a new podcast I discovered. I know there is so many out there, but it's a special one. It's a podcast by Stephen Fry called Great Leap Years. Mm. And if you know Stephen Fry, you know what he's like and his voice is amazing and everything he talks about is just incredibly interesting, captivating um, and informative. And he talks about human history and advances in science and how little things like invention of electricity propelled humanity into this um you know age of discovery it's great and he approaches it from a perspective of a, a lay person because he's not a scientist himself and uh, he, his episodes are very very accessible to everyone great mm. so that sounds very good what's the name of it again great leap years ah Okay. Okay. Good. Very interesting. I. I. I it it does sound sciencey. He's got three episodes out so far. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Oh, he's an amazing guy. So yeah. I'll check and it out. I just out. love listening to him. Yeah, mm. and he's incredibly knowledgeable about all sorts of stuff like that because yeah. he is very curious, even though he's not a scientist. But he. And just... the other thing is that whenever he speaks, you can tell that he really does his homework before yeah. he starts speaking. and he's so passionate about this as well. Yeah. He really enjoys these stories and, and how, like, he marvels at how humanity, how far we came and, yeah, yeah. just wonderful. Yeah, but oh, even if we're just talking about his way of speaking, I, I yeah. really love he that. He does have a good... Um, have you ever heard um, him read up The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, we've re- listened to his memoir on audiobook. Ah, okay. That was really. But the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is amazing in in his interpretation. I mean, I can that imagine. is yeah. just really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think he was uh, the narrator in the movie as well. He was yeah. at least in the beginning. Yeah. There, the first intro. Yeah, the beginning. Yeah. 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 I have to say, guys, Hitchcock's Guide to the Galaxy movie was a, a disappointment to me. I didn't like it at all. I, I thought they did a really bad job giving the book and it could have been so much better. But. Well, I don't necessarily agree. I, I don't think they, they completely butchered the whole thing. It, it, it wasn't as good as it could have. Yeah. But there were really, really good elements in it. Yeah, I, I think actually it, it's better when you see it I think I've seen it three times for for oh. different reasons, and yeah. it, okay. it gets better actually. When, Does it? Okay. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. I should give it a go. I, I I couldn't finish it. I just couldn't. I'm like, that's not you know, that's not what I was expecting. And but. you know, I absolutely loved what they did with Marvin, mm-hmm. and especially Alan Rickman's performance in it. Yeah, and and how he how he performed. Overall, that. Was... very good actors in the, in mm. the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to the. <laughs> yeah, we don't aspire to become uh, science fiction experts or science fiction reviewers. It's oh. <laughs> it's not what we aim to do. So shall we start doing what we are here to do? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So that means that we should actually start with uh, a regular segment, which is this week in skepticism, presented by Yelena. I want to talk about uh, something that happened on the 1st of May, 1776, all those years ago. One of the most well-known societies have been formed, and it's called the Bavarian Illuminati, Ooh. Mm. an Enlightenment-era secret society. Ooh. 
As far as secret organizations go, the most well-known is probably this one, the Illuminati. So their rumored membership includes nearly every public figure in the world, including Beyonce, Paris Hilton, Barack Obama, Bob Baker, Adolf Hitler, and many, many more. Um, this supposedly powerful cabal has been implicated in the Kennedy assassination, 9-11, um, the death of Whitney Houston and the Ice Bucket Challenge, and has been said to be pulling the strings um, that makes the world go round. The Ice Bucket Challenge. I didn't, Apparently. Know, I didn't know they were behind that too. You never know. <laughs> but, but what do we actually know about the... Uh, what was the conspiracy about the Ice Bucket Challenge? <laughs> No, that the, the Illuminati started it. Yes, here's a bucket of ice, pull it over your head, and somehow the world is controlled by the Illuminati. Yeah. It's yeah. like that tinfoil hat thing. Yeah, yeah it yeah, could be. Like okay. but, um, but more messy. Yeah. But what do we actually know about this society? So the, back in 1776, um, a secular college professor in Bavaria, Germany, was feeling um, ostracized by his Jesuit colleagues and decided to start a society to spread Enlightenment era ideas. This was an attempt to shift the pro-monarchy Catholic supremacy movement into rational, scientific and somewhat more secular movement. A bit like skeptics. <laughs> yeah, so, so far oh, I'm yeah, all for yeah, it. Really yeah. Yeah, like yeah, right? It's all started off really well, guys. And we are often, uh, often accused of being the Illuminati ourselves. Mm. So, mm. Well, since knowledge of this group would have had serious consequences for the professor, he gave himself and all the other members nicknames and shrouded the group in secret rituals and symbols. Um, the order of the Illuminati specifically excluded Jews, pagans, women's, uh, women and members of... Um, other religion or cults. Charming, as no, always. Uh, no, no, no Jews or no women. I'm, I'm suddenly I'm not such a fan anymore. <laughs> yeah. it, it started off as an Enlightenment society. Yeah. Ended up a bit. There was so much enthusiasm, enthusiasm about them, and then they derailed the whole thing. Yeah. <sighs> um, so after some time, the Illuminati, looking to expand their membership base, um, joined forces with the long-standing Freemason group as well. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> the Freemasons uh, were an intricate fra fraternal organization of la laborers, seemingly mysterious for their religious-like use of symbols and ceremonies. Um, after securing their own Freemason lodge, the higher order Illuminati members uh, attempted to recruit from the higher order Freemasons. Mm. Um, however, as a, a newer sect with different allegiances, they commanded less respect than existing um, groups. Still, despite significant infighting over the origins of various rituals, political and social focus, and other uh, petty differences, the Illuminati managed to recruit between 650 and 2,500 members in Bavaria wow. at their height, around 1784. Mm. Wow. Around this time, an obscure Christian cult known as Rosencrucianism infiltrated um, Illuminati. This is Dan Brown material. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. <laughs> And actually, they were very religious and opposed to the idea of enlightenment, philosophical, scientific, uh, or rational movement. After constant infighting and their membership expanding and becoming too large to keep the order secret, mm -hmm. the knowledge of the group got out. Many members were exposed <gasps> and number actually held fairly high positions of power. Uh, after being accused of publishing anti-religious literature, the Bavarian government banned all secret societies and seized and published a large number of important documents uh, from the Illuminati's founders. 
And this effectively ended the existence of the group and their original founder fled Germany. Or so they want you to believe. <laughs> exactly. And what about the Freemasons? I'm not sure about those. I lost track of that. But point. in the few years after the end of the Bavarian Illuminati, a number of books were written purporting that not only did uh, the Illuminati still exist in secret, but um, that they were conspiratorially responsible for many international events, including the French Revolution, if you didn't know about that. And those books gained significant, significant popularity and the ideas therein have survived into the modern times. Wow. So in recent years, the idea of a resurgent or surviving Illuminati order that is in control of world events through underlying iconography and ritualism has been a popular theory. However, there is literally no evidence of the existence of this group, nor any connection between current group and the Bavarian Illuminati. So, still, isn't that exactly what they would want to think? Wink, wink. Exactly. <laughs> what does this all mean? Are there any Illuminati in, in Bavaria or not? <laughs> not anymore. There has been in the past. And it has been historically uh, documented. But everything else that we are aware about, of, you know, with the celebrities and, col and um, the world order and domination, is probably just another big conspiracy theory. Fascinating subject to research into further, um, because I think, again, as a need, as a human need to get things in order and understand how the world works, this overarching conspiracy probably makes a lot of sense to some people. Not to me, though. Like religion. <laughs> yeah. It always brings to mind um, that occasion when I met two... Um, two women um, in um, in a small town in uh, Sicily yeah. a couple of years ago. And they approached me with a question whether I knew who controlled the world. Oh yeah, did you tell them it was the Illuminati? <laughs> and I had two choices. It, they were either, I had no idea back then, but I, I, I knew exactly that they were either some kind of um, missionaries <laughs> or they were talking about some kind of a, a massive um, conspiracy yeah. that someone controls as well. Yeah. Turned out they were just simple missionaries and they wanted to convert me. <laughs> that was the first time ever I entered a philosophical kind of argument in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, there you go. Not, not the last one, though. Yeah. No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Oh, you know, by the way, the, the Freemasons really, really got my attention because uh, I used to have a teacher at university yeah. who could not wrap his head around the fact that we were not Freemasons, the skeptics. Oh, and he, what? He Why still, would we be? <laughs> occasionally, he contacts me and asks the, 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 the question, how the Freemasons are doing? And at the beginning, I thought that he was just kidding. <laughs> Just tell them they're doing fine, thank you. <laughs> yeah, last time I, I, I replied I had no idea. <laughs> and he didn't know, he really was surprised because he thought that I left the movement. And I thought that, I said, no, we are not the Freemasons, we are the skeptics. Do you know what, people, people just believe whatever they want to believe and they hear what they want to hear, whatever. Yeah, but please don't do that, university professors. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they're just as biased as all of us, so, you know. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> all right. 
Thanks very much, Yelena. All right. Uh, may the Illuminata order be with you or something. Oh, whatever. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a, it's a thing. Or the Freemasons. But I think, I, I think if you Google Illuminati, you can see like people um, post pictures of celebrities making a, uh, a triangle sign and they're saying, oh, look at Beyonce, she's part of Illuminati. And those celebrities are probably piecing themselves thinking... Look at these stupid people thinking we're part of Illuminati. I'm pretty sure if you start Googling Illuminati, the first thing you'll, you'll end up with is the ambigram and from uh, <laughs> Angels and Demons. Mm. And then the next one will be Tom Hanks's face. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that I'm pretty sure of. Yeah. Okay. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Thanks again. Let's move on to our news items, shall we? Uh, it's a good thing that we just talked about massive conspiracies because obviously there is a growing number of people who think that um, vaccination is nothing else but a massive conspiracy against humanity and um, the one of the most important evidence pieces of evidence that they they can draw is that it causes autism the only problem with that is that it's not true however that doesn't stop uh, some people especially in the uk um from combining different sorts of um, quackery uh, in order to fight something that is not even real what am i talking about I'm talking about a, a, a more than 120 homeopaths in the UK who offer different sorts of cure against autism. Oh. Yeah. And they even do have a name for that kind of therapy. It's called bullshit? Nope. It's called C's. C-E-A-S-E. That stands for Complete Elimination of Autistic Spectrum Expression. Wow. Um, it was invented by a Dutch doctor called Tino Smits, who, interestingly and somewhat ironically, died of cancer in 2010. And he, has a, he published a book and there's a website with all the silliness that he, uh, he was um, trying to uh, spread. And... The, the method basically aims at ridding children of toxins, mm -hmm. so to say, um, vaccines and medication, as he put, put, puts it, that are said to cause autism. Yeah. Now, we know for sure, because there have been an excessive number of publications of published materials, and people tried to, to find the link between autism and any kind of vaccination since that freaking idiot Andrew Wakefield came out with that notion that um, there was a link between autism and the MMR vaccine and there has been none to be found oh. I mean link between the two but still homeopaths offer these therapies so, so let me get this straight. So there's you have sugar pills yeah. that removes toxins, to re, to in, which in, in, in effect removes a spectrum disorder. I, I, it's 
it's just nonsense. Yeah, the th- uh, yeah, but the the really worrying part is that it's not only sugar pills ah. because that is not well. If you take homeopathic medicine to get rid of your autism uh, kind of expression, the the, the spectrum expressions, then um, yeah, whatever. But the problem is that they offer other stuff as well, not only homeopathy. Ah. Uh, well, I, I do have a problem with uh, homeopathy being offered to to that problem as well because it doesn't it just freaking doesn't work. So um, it's a false therapy, and false therapies should not be allowed to be out there and not especially not available to all. But the problem is that um, their therapies involve uh, homeopathic remedies and very high doses of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Now, that is where the real problem uh, emerges. Because vitamin C, if it's overdosed, it can lead to uh, other health issues. Like, in a milder case, it can cause diarrhea. Uh, but it can, it can even, with a very severe case, it can even lead to kidney failure. Really? So, yeah, if it's if it's wow. constantly going on, yeah. your kidneys are being pushed to the to, to their limits. Wow. Didn't know that about the vitamins. So it, it's not without its risks. Now this is why Carol Povey, the director of the Center for Autism um, at the National Autistic Society, said it's uh, that that it was absolutely appalling what they offer, and I couldn't agree more. But what I like probably even more is uh, the reaction of one of um, a Labour MPs, uh, Barry Shearman. And um, apparently he chaired the cross-party Westminster Commission on Autism that condemned the claims of C's therapists. And I quote, There is support and much we can do, but there are no cures. And if someone says so, show me the evidence. Mm. Now, this is what I want to hear from MPs about these issues. That kind of attitude. Good, good on, on, on Barry Shearman. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So um, what I can add to this is that C's should stand for seizing <laughs> offering this these therapies because they do not work, they're bogus, and they, they hold potential health risks. Indeed. So please don't. Indeed. Indeed. I'm going to stay on the same subject of vaccines because it's our favorite subject. Friends, friends of ours from Glasgow Skeptics brought it to my attention recently. Um, and it's an article from Cumbernauld News. Uh, it's a place in, in, in Scotland that was titled Parents Should Get More Information About Vaccines Given to Their Children. This particular article was about uh, the HPV vaccine, which is a human papilloma virus. Um, and it's... Um, HPV is a viral infection that is passed between people through skin-to-skin contact. Um, there are more than 100 varieties and it can affect the genitals, mouth and or throat. Uh, this vaccine is recommended to be administered between the ages of 9 and 13 um, and is normally done in school. So uh, one of the mothers whose daughter received this vaccine, she has been in contact with 76 families throughout Scotland who believed she believed that her daughter uh, got sick um, as a direct result of the HPV vaccine. Um, so she, 
that that mother since produced 23 page 7000 word report on behalf of Scottish families within the association of HPV vaccine injured daughters <laughs> they didn't know if such thing existed detailing potential side effects and um, she said that the number of girls suddenly being diagnosed uh, with or, or displaying symptoms of autoimmune disorder cannot just have been natural evolution. And she talks about how when she was in school 20 years ago, nothing like this was um, around and uh, it must be because of this HPV vaccine. Very dangerous article because it, it is a fear-mongering again around vaccines and the side effects um, that, that none of it has been uh, pr proven. So the, these are just, you know, her own conclusions that she uh, she's made um, after observing her daughter being sick. And um, she's now rounding other parents up and probably um, persuading her, them to, to join her beca because parents are easily, well, I don't want to say they're easily scared, but um, when their kid's health is um, at risk or uh, there's any questions around things like vaccines, they, they, they get together pretty quickly. So um, again, this I believe that this only could be made possible because of people like Wakefield, who started the whole uh, fear-mongering process all these years ago around vaccines. And, and people are joining this movement and now this came out with, about the HPV that as far as I know has, is, is completely um, safe. There's a lot of research available online for those who want, who want to read more. Hmm. And um, it's just another thing we have to fight against. It's not just safe because I also read in, in the Swedish media now that new statistics of coming out you know about eight to ten years ago they started to vaccinate young girls with uh, the hpv uh, vaccine and now you're seeing and, and of course what you want to prevent is sexually transmitted virus infection which can lead to cervical cancer so it, you don't see the effect immediately if you vaccinate 12 year olds yeah they are not sexually active for the most part so it doesn't happen but now we can see that the cervical cancer starting to to uh, uh, decrease in numbers so it, yeah. it is helping it is yeah. doing good things the thing is it takes 10 to 8 years for obvious reasons to see it yeah. but it is working uh, but but then what what's so bad about this is it only requires the voice of a mother like that to rally the whole group against vaccine and start spreading this wave. Exactly. It's frustrating. That's the yeah. worry. No, but it's quite understandable how, how emotional it can get, and, but it's not absolutely, based in any, any reality. But it shouldn't be reported in a newspaper. That's no. kind of where, I guess that is where I was going with that. Absolutely. Or it is reported in a newspaper. It should be linked with a... With proper criticism. Yeah, the, the only thing that they've, I mean, they've written at the very bottom of the article saying, um, spokesman said a leaflet accompanies a consent form and both are issued to all those eligible for HPV vaccination. The HPV leaflet advises that additional information is available from Musicians Scotland or by calling the NHS. No, that's so, not enough. So it's just no. like a, you know, a little here you go kind of link uh, where most of the article is dedicated to this mother who, who, who's got no basis for her hysteria. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know how else to I'm pretty sure we, we agree that this is just simple, outright bad journalism. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So you have to be critical with with what you write, and if it's bogus, if it's something really this terribly wrong, then then you have to point that out to your readers. That's your responsibility as the author yeah. of that article. But I think an article like this is, a, is an easy bait. It's going to collect a lot of clicks because it's got vaccine in, in a title and something about children. So mm-hmm. you, you, sure, you can be sure that people will be clicking away. Sure. Yeah. But speaking about vaccinations and <laughs> preventable, uh, preventable diseases, there's good news as well. The oh, European boy. Commission has come out uh, recently with uh, uh, proposing 20 actions to fight preventable diseases. So uh, they're, they're, the proposals include national vaccination plans for, for all countries in Europe, routine checks of vaccination status, uh, a common vaccination card as well, to you know, make standardize it within the whole EU, mm. uh, and a EU data warehouse about uh, all the, the statistics and data, and, and uh, several other things. So it's 20 different actions. Uh, they released a, a, a video on Facebook as well, under the hashtags EU vaccines and vaccines work. Uh, and it's in the form of an interview. This video is in the form of an interview with the uh, Euro- European Commissioner for Health and Food, Mr. Vitenis Andriukaitis. I bet he's Greek. Yeah, yeah, probably. He's a former uh, surgeon, uh, a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. It's a very good thing. We will link to that interview and we will also link to the, the press release that they s- sent out. So hopefully uh, the, the U- EU is working towards preventing diseases through vaccinations and it's mm-hmm. it's a good thing yeah it is mm-hmm. the telegraph uh writes about something that i haven't ever thought of before that the same issue vaccination so yeah we don't seem to be able to get rid of that for, for this episode it's like a theme um, yeah mm-hmm. it's like a theme it's like a a, a a rolling theme so have you ever thought of dogs Getting autism through vaccinations. Oh, I saw somebody brought it to our somebody brought it to our attention. Uh, one of our listeners emailed us about it. Yeah, so this yeah. is just yeah. outright silly. I mean, it's so freaking sad and outrageous. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there there is one person who who were asked. Uh, her name is uh, Lisa Tenzin Dolma. She's the founder of the International School for Canine Psychology and Behavior about about canine autism. And she said, uh, we don't have scientific evidence to back claims of canine autism. However, we have seen anecdotal evidence of dogs having a marked change in their behavior, etc., etc. That is not a strong enough basis to claim that dogs can go through the phases of autism or, or be on the autism spectrum, let alone that fictional condition being caused by um, vaccinations. Now, why it's an important issue it is because dogs and pets in general have to be vaccinated as well in order for the pet populations to be healthy and and safe for and humans safe. actually and that yeah. must mean also safety for people absolutely their keepers and everyone 
so what there a are a mess. couple of there are a couple of very uh, dangerous diseases like this uh, distemper um parvo virus and um and and a couple of more um examples are given like uh, camel cough leptospirosis and parainfluenza they i well i don't know exactly which uh, um, um all of these i i I do know about canine distemper and canine parvovirus because that is something that I I remember one of one of our dogs to have had when I was a kid and it's not nice I mean it's it's those are terrible diseases and that means that when vaccination rates drop in a country uh, among pets that it it will have its repercussions just like in human populations. It's the same thing. It's the very th- same thing. And uh, even though the British Veterinary Association warned everyone that the, the anti-vaccine movement to have spread to, to pets is absolutely nonsense because dogs cannot get autism, still there are, there are a lot of people out there who, who don't give a fuck about that because they just... Uh, they're just yeah. jumping on this anti-vaccination wagon, I think. And yeah, they, they jump on their the, the the same bandwagon as everyone else out there uh, who don't think for a moment. And the PDSA Animal Wellbeing report in 2017, according to the Telegraph, showed that 25% of dogs, 35% of cats, and 50% of rabbits had not had a primary vaccination course when young. And that is really alarming mm-hmm. yeah. because there's a lot of those pets out there. Yeah. 25% of dogs, 35% of cats, 50% of rabbits. Yeah. That's too high. So please, animal keepers, please, pet owners, don't believe that that anti-vaccination crap no. that you hear everywhere of. And please ask an actual vet of what what you should do with your dogs, cats and rabbits and, and, and any other pets. Oh, it, it really like infuriates me. It's like people who making their pets vegans. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making a dog vegan, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Don't fucking do it! Uh, uh, like, if you want to freaking eat tofu, eat tofu. Don't involve your pets. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, so true. All right. We have actually one more vaccination-related news. No way. Bloody hell. Like, saturated. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Ukraine. And it's really bad, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, go on. During the first quarter of 2018, over 9,000 measles cases have been found in Ukraine or reported. Wow. Oh, God. Uh, we talked about this already in, in episode 110, yeah. but now it's it's really being apparent that Ukraine is, what I, well, the worst country in Europe uh, when it comes to measles. Uh, th- I think U- Ukraine isn't helped by the fact that it's very poor and access to vaccination is probably not as good. Actually, access to vaccinations are good. They have vaccines. Do they? 
Yes. So do you think it's so, just the anti-vaccination movement that contributed? I, I, well, I, that's what I think, but I, I don't know. Mm. But but uh, it's reported that vaccines against measles are available for everybody in Ukraine if, if you really want it. Okay. And uh, I guess it's just not being used. Seven deaths have been reported mm-hmm. over uh, January, February, March. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, this is this is terrible. I mean, it can be compared to all of EU last year had about twenty thousand cases, yeah. which was really really high. Mm. And we were talking about it last year on on the show. About half of that was uh, uh, from Romania and Italy. That's right. But half of that that's ten thousand, and then distributed between Romania and Italy. So that means in Romania and Italy, they had about 5,000 cases last year. That's 12 months. But Ukraine has had 9,000 in only three months. Hmm. It's not looking good. Uh, terrible. Another reason not to go to Ukraine. <laughs> what, 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 what was the other reasons? Oh, there's many. <laughs> Plenty. Let's not be like that. Plenty of reasons. <laughs> haven't you? Haven't you been vaccinated against measles? Get your vaccine, so then you can. Yeah, but but isn't it visit. Um, still a thing? Like anyway, yes, I have. <laughs> I have. I have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but it, it's terrible, and Europe as a whole, not just the EU, but also including Ukraine and probably other countries where I don't have the statistics. Uh, measles is uh you know it's it's causing deaths all over europe yeah. and it doesn't need to yeah it's such an easy thing to prevent yeah and, and it's literally crime not to i i think it would be uh, it should be yeah. mm. it should be yeah it should be considered one please no more vaccination items <laughs> please talk about religion or something the Vatican has opened its doors for annual exorcism cause amid increased um, demand among some of the world's Catholic communities. As many as 250 priests from 50 countries have arrived in Rome to learn how to identify demonic possession, to hear personal accounts from other priests, and to find out more about the rituals behind expelling demons. Uh. So, it, mm. you know, nice. if you were thinking... Is there anything I want to do? Some hobbies that I want to explore? You know, new fields? Why not try (laughs) the course course of exorcism? It's something different and you can always discuss it with your friends later. (laughs) (laughs) It's really serious business. It's it's abuse. It's abuse and it's torture and it's all kinds of things. And... um, I really cannot believe we're talking about it in 21st century. That's what I'm kind of more... Then don't. ...amazed by. So, but anyways, um, it becomes clear why this course exists still. I mean, apart from the fact that people want to exercise demons. Uh, but it's... Um, it, it must be profitable-ish, you know. It costs 300 euros... Um, and a cover of theological, psychological, anthropological backgrounds of exorcism um, for just, a, yeah, just a mere 300 years. This is what you're going to get. A course, a historic course, and you'll know all about exorcism. Um, so the, the, the question is why the demand is growing. And um, Catholic priests in several countries have told the press that there has been an increase in the numbers of people reporting signs of demonic possession. 
Mm. Uh, oh, what signs is what signs are that? Well, he must be working like the UFO sightings. But yeah, this is where it gets interesting. I think anything can be uh, can be a sign of demonic possession. Anything you don't like, you can go, oh, this person is possessed because he or she says things or looks yeah. this certain way yeah. or whatever. Um, maybe we all possessed here, you know, in this Whoops. podcast is, is a uh, fruit of possession. <laughs> Possession, being possessed by demons. It must be the works of the devil. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But um, anyways, it's sad. But I don't know. I, I guess it's not as sad as maybe vaccination problems, but it's it's just as troubling, to be honest with you. Uh, especially, like you mentioned, Pontus, that it is um, quite often a, a, an abuse of, yes. of people yes, who are involved in the ritual. Yeah. I, I, so. it is. All right, that's my mm-hmm. bit. So more uh, uh, religious uh, l- uh, lunacy <laughs> from the from the U- from the UK this time. Uh, in the west of London, the Council of Ealing has been forced to vote for a so-called PSPO. That's a Public Spaces Protection Order around uh, the Marie Stopes Clinic, and this is because the Catholic anti-abortion uh, organization called Good Council Network has uh, held regular protests outside the clinic and they, that has included handing women teddy bears and calling them mum. They have approached women directly outside the clinic and asked them to give their child a per- birthday present and other such harassments. This is women who are seeking uh, an abortion. Mm. Isn't this something that, that was covered in one of the latest uh, episodes of this uh, last week tonight with John Oliver could be. I haven't I haven't seen that. All right. Okay. Hmm? Yeah. The vote to implement this PSOP has been taken after the council received more than three thousand five hundred responses to a public consultation, and that's the biggest single response to a consultation in Ealing ever. So uh, this is apparently being both fought and perpetrated by the the fought by the public against the good council network so i i guess it's a good thing that people are standing up and saying this is this is not this is not acceptable you cannot harass mm-hmm. women who 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 go to this clinic and you know i'm sure that some of those go to the clinic not to have an abortion but something else but people outside assume that they're going there for an abortion and they, they start to harass them. So terrible, but it's interesting development, I think, that uh, this PSO, PSPO has been uh, adopted. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Do look um, look up that episode of... Uh, John Oliver? Last week tonight yeah. with John Oliver. Yeah. yeah. It was really comprehensive. I find it hard to find any full episodes of John Oliver in England because they're all blocked yes in the UK they're blocked yes it's a bit of a pain in the ass are they? I thought they were freely available on YouTube no I think you can only watch like segments like 10 minute segments huh if you if you have HBO if you have HBO Go in the UK then you can you can probably do I haven't heard of that option okay okay that's that's how I watch it in Hungary. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on. We um, do have another thing to talk about in the UK before we move on to another country, and that is a recent study 
something that looked at um, 7,618 primary care practices in England. And uh, uh, the, the means to collect the data was a website called Open Prescribing. And uh, they analyzed the use of medicines within the NHS. Um, apparently, it was developed by Ben Goldacre. Hey, mm. know him. Yeah. And they found that 644 practices had issued one or more homeopathic prescriptions in a six-month period, ending in 2017. And um, they, they had to get scores based on uh, the 70 standards of good practice in prescribing. So this was put together by a team of experts. By the way, the publication that came out of that on the Journal of Royal Society of Medicine included uh, um, among the authors of that article that was Ben Goldacre, Helen J. Curtis and Edzard Ernst as well. Mm-hmm. So they tested the, those standards uh, how well they adhere to these these uh, practitioners adhere to these standards as well as whether they had issued uh, homeopathy prescriptions and the result of this turns out to be that there might be a problem that so, so doctors prescribing homeopathic medicines might be those doctors who are not following best practice guidelines in general. So, well, this has been reported as bad doctors prescribe homeopathy more often. Mm. Well, I I think this is um, probably an oversimplification of the whole thing, but this is what they found. Those who don't follow traditional best practices are the ones who who might be more prone to deviating from those norms. And uh, that is pretty clear, I think. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else because that is not the normal best uh, practice. I mean, issuing or prescribing homeopathy, right? Certainly not. So I'm not surprised, but I would uh, advise to be very cautious regarding the conclusions hmm? drawn from this this uh, result. Spoken as a true skeptic. All right, one more uh, news item from Sweden this time. In episode uh, 119, we reported about the posthumous Hans Rusling book, Factfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have in the past mentioned Hans Rusling several times, and even tr- we tried to get him on the show. Uh, but, uh, however, he tragically died in cancer in early 2017 before we got the chance. He was a Swedish medical doctor, a science communicator and a debater who was an absolute joy to experience live. I had the pleasure to see him once in Stockholm. Hmm. And his TED Talks are still available online. So please, if you haven't checked it out, please do do so. So now the news is that Bill Gates, who is, the, of course, the famous founder of Microsoft and a, f- a philanthropist, he was recently a visiting guest editor for a special edition of Time magazine. And that's the first time they've had a guest editor for a whole edition. His theme for the number was optimism. And with inspiration clearly taken from Hans Rusling, and he mentioned Hans Rusling himself, Uh, Bill Gates said uh, in an interview that, and I quote, improvement is a silent thing that happens gradually. Uh, 
And he went on to say that the world is, yes, it is unjust, but uh, we've made fantastic progress without even really realizing it because it goes so slowly. And we can learn from those advances to spread it to other fields. And he go, he went on to say, quote, my hope is that this book, and he meant the, the factfulness book, that this book inspires people to approach the world with as much curiosity and openness as Hans did. So uh, I'm very happy to see that Hans Rusling's legacy lives on. Wow. And actually, it's a quite uh, optimistic uh, note to end the new segments on. Yes, it is. Oh, I love that. And I love the quote about the improvement and how it happens si silently. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. I, th I think a lot uh, uh, of that, um, the fact that we take everything for granted that has been achieved in the last couple of hundred years or a couple of thousand years, uh, we don't stop for a moment to think that this has been achieved through a lot of struggle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it, it goes slowly. Stuff. Improvement yeah. goes step by step by step, exactly. and you don't really notice it. But when a disaster hits, then of course you you notice that. So you think that everything is going badly, yeah. and a lot of things are bad, and we need to fix a lot of things. But we shouldn't forget that there's been a lot of improvement as well. Exactly, mm -hmm. and as long as there are bad things to to change, replace, or uh, just improve. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So we are doing our work in terms of uh, sharing news about what's happening out there. But uh, I think it's about time for us to move on to our next segment, which is Really Wrong, presented by Pontus Bergman. Yes. Yes, actually, it's really right this this time. Hey, positive spin! Oh, talking about optimism, right? Yeah, I will try to be on you know cheerful note. Uh, cheerful and positive. I'm always really looking forward to really okay. right. So this is about uh, Jakob Gudjol. That's a guy. He's probably not known outside of Sweden, but he is a physiotherapist and uh, he has a master's in sports science. He has also published a few books about exercising and healthy food for people who want to keep in shape and maintain a healthy lifestyle. So that, you know, we know a lot of these, that kind of people who do, well, are not so scientific in their approach. But contrary to many of those profiles, uh, Jakob Gudjol is very scientific and rational. And um, he actually seems to know what he's talking about. He's not that new-agey, quacky, uh, like a lot of people in the same business. The latest thing he has done is to go through the myths and misconceptions surrounding artificial sweetness by looking at actual peer-reviewed studies. Imagine that approach, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Revolutionary approach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so definitely in that customer. Yeah, so he's going through a, a number of uh, of aspects of of artificial sweetness, looking at many different studies, uh, and we can summarize it a little bit like this. So he's looking at uh, artificial sweetness and its effect on blood sugar and insulin, and he divides that into the effect of holding sweetness just in your mouth without swallowing it. Uh, the effects if you actually are swallowing it uh, or if you 
ingest it before a meal or during a meal. So it investigates that or looks at studies who has investigated that. Uh, then he looks at drinking water versus uh, so-called light products uh, when, while you're on a diet. So is it the difference to, to drink Diet Coke or water while you're trying to lose weight? Uh, he also looks at studies who have looked at uh, the effects on appetite and energy intake if you're drinking water versus you, if you're drinking, again, Diet Coke or, or similar products. And he also looks at the long-term effect of aspartame when it comes to blood sugar. His conclusion from looking at all of these studies is that artificial sweetness has no or very minimal negative effects. There is no reason to be worried at all. Okay. Yay! So that's very good. And it's not the first time as a skeptic that I've noticed this guy. Uh, he is really unusual in this business, which is so often filled with pseudoscience and fear-mongering. So, for being a shining exception in the world of so-called health gurus, Jakob Gudjol gets today's prize for being really right. Nice! Nice, and we will Brilliant. link to the, to the blog post he has posted. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Thank thanks for Jakob Gudjol as well. Absolutely. For his great work. Okay, uh, we should probably be concluding this episode. So, I'd like to ask you, Yelena, to uh, finish the show with a quote. Yeah. So I want to finish it with a quote from uh, Stephen Fry, who I've mentioned earlier. He is a, a British comedian, writer. Actor. Actor. He, he's done a lot. Uh, he's really an amazing guy. He said, the only reason people do not know much is because they do not care to know. They are incurious. Incuriosity is the oddest and most foolish failing there is. Ooh. And he is definitely very, very, very curious human being. Mm. Couldn't agree with him more. Very nice. Very nice. All right. I think we all need to be curious and, and keep our curiosity. One of the things I hate about uh, institutionalized education is that it takes that away from you. Yeah, very often, yeah. Yeah, I love this quote. Thanks very much for sharing it with us, Yelena. Pleasure. And indeed, thank you very much, both of you, for joining me today, Yelena and Pontus. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in again. And until next week, goodbye. Paka paka. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't
don't know how you can believe. That's it. Exactly That's like the that. spirit. Oh, sorry. That's the spirit. That's me. <laughs> oh, guys, I miss you. <laughs> la bi da bi da. I've lost my plot again. Never mind. Vitenis Adriu Kaitis. Kaitis. Andriu Kaitis. Why can't he be called Smith? I will call him Vitenis Smith. No. Please don't be disrespectful. Vitenis Andriu Kaitis. Or something to that effect. Anyway, so he's, he's a. He's okay. a f- Do you want to repeat that without that comment? <laughs> God. <laughs> Yeah, the telegraphs. No, no. Telegraphs. He's looking at uh, artificial sne- sweetness effect on blood sugar. <laughs> blood, blood, blood sugar. Blood sugar. He, uh, blood sugar. That's a Swedish accent for you. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting late. <laughs>